podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Zero Ducks Given. It's very nice to be back, by the way, after missing last week. Um, obviously, Daniel and Finney missed me greatly. Uh, however, if you're wondering what that background noise is, we are currently in Sixes Cricket Club in Fitzrovia in sort of central North London. And what this place is, is it's a bar. So you can sit here, you can get very drunk, you can eat lots of good food. And also, you can walk into a cricket net and play some cricket as well. So the setup is there are five cricket nets around me that I can see. A bowler, basically the Merlin machine that uh, players have been using for years now in the international scene. A bowler runs up on a screen in front of you and the ball comes flying out of a hole and there's some targets that you have got to hit and score some runs. Uh, now I am joined by the Zero Dutch Given team. We've just had a practice run in the net and we set the settings to professional. I went first. I'll be honest, that bowler tied me in knots. <laughs> he, he... I mean, you sound surprised. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely shouldn't be. <laughs> he, he beat my outside edge with the first two. By the way, I snicked the first one. Luckily, they don't have any slips yet, but they're, apparently they're adding them, so I'm glad I wasn't here for that. Then he bought an arm ball that was definitely out LBW. Luckily, yeah. there's no umpire yet, uh, so I, I survived that. Then I absolutely creamed one for six over long on, uh, and then he continued to tie me a knot. So I got a, a gentleman six off my over. But most importantly, no wickets, because no. it's all about preserving your wicket in cricket. Well, that's, that's the way I tend to think of it. I think if you can go at 10 and over without getting out, that's really the key, isn't it? Yeah. So I set myself a target of, of 10 and over. So I had a little look at the first couple of balls, left them outside the off stump, yeah. and just let them just pass by. Uh, and then once I got a measure of him, uh, smacked him back over his head for six, flicked one through the onside for six, it wasn't given, <laughs> smashed another four off the last ball, ended up ten for none. Then Finney turns up, professional cricketer apparently, Yeah. and he was out third ball, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah third for how many? ball, absolutely <laughs> castled. For twelve? Yeah. No, no, third ball, you had ten. Okay, fine. You had six and a four, you were ten for one after and three. And then off my eighteen for one off one over. That's yeah, a good you, start you, in yeah, the team. You're out. You're out. It doesn't look, look cricket, right? You got ten, and then you were out. I mean, the other bits were just us humouring you, letting you have a little go afterwards because you're being a bit petulant. Maybe <laughs> next time round you'll put your glasses on and you can see the ball. You got stumped first two balls. You failed to mention, and Toby did as well. Well, there's no. We were who was, walking who was out gonna, the crease. Well, I was stood here watching, and well, you were good who, three <laughs> yards down the wicket. Who was, who was going to take that? That ball t- that sh- that turned so sharply. I it's would going rather have Phil Tufnell in here with that viral video. He would have more chance of hitting those first two balls. <laughs> that is a new dish. You'd be saying Ed Giddens next. Now, uh, now I'm, I'm going to go back in, lads. Okay, um, so shall we? Shall, do you want me to commentate? Yeah, for you two commentate. So, so, you know, so Finney's my match special aficionados. Finney's my expert summariser. Yep, absolutely fine. I'll, go, I'll, give the full, I'll give you the full. I'll give you the full treatment. From so the wicket's fallen, yep. right? And you are going out to bat to the very, very modest applause of the crowd, who are slightly disappointed to see you coming out to bat. But, uh, <laughs> Don't blame them. But you know, right? I'm going to go in. Well, but we'll give it a whole lot. So, um, so Stephen Finn, this is a chance for Toby Tarrant to cement his place down at number eleven. I didn't realise he was playing, to be honest. I was Here we go. Very surprised. Tall man, ginger. Uh, Looks like he's, he's batting with a harrow bat. He's got a very sticky out bum, hasn't he? He's got an unusual bent leg posture. So, so it's a quicker bowler who's going to come in and absolutely <laughs> does for him. Well, I don't, know what, I don't know what to say about that. That has turned sharply and gone past his nose. Well, he has played that 
like an absolute blind man. A little bit of bounce on it for length. He's in again, right arm over the wicket. Oh, and he's done him again, leg cutter. I've got to say, it's a beautiful leg cutter. He's making him look a lot better than he actually is. Yeah, I mean, it would help if he actually moved his feet. Here he is once more. Angus Fraser, all 64 years old of him. He's in to Tarrant. And Tarrant, he's been on the inside edge this time. Another dot ball. It's, cl it's, it's clipped his uh, pad on the way down the leg side. Unfortunately, three dot balls. Well, Hardly surprise him. That should go to the batter, really, shouldn't it? That, that leg by. As, uh, as he waits, bowler at the top of his mark now. Runs in, sun on his back, right and left, arms and legs pumping. He's in, full driven, straight back over the bowler's head for a super smashing. Oh, just a four, just landed. Yeah. One bounce just I mean, inside the It's a nice shot, but if you swing at every ball, you're bound to connect at some stage. Yeah, but he's not got out yet, though, Finney, has he? He's not got out. Here he is in again once more. And that's all, oh, that's beating him again on the outside edge. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's an absolute jaffer, but you're making it look very, very good when it's, when it's not. Here we go, to complete the over. He's just got the four runs off this over. He's been beaten four times. He's given himself a bit of room. Slower ball, bamboozled magnificently. And I've got to say, Tarrant Stephen Finn looked all at sea. He looks mentally shot, if I'm being honest. He can have to take a trip over to the sports psychologist who's is, in the other side of the bar. Is it time, maybe? I mean, has he be, maybe been in the bubbles too long? Does he need a little bit of time off? I mean, he looks to me that he's a broken man. I don't know. I'd say he's just shit at cricket. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's anything other than that. Well, it could be that, but at his age, I mean, he looks so exhausted. He's only faced six balls. <laughs> I'll be honest, I am. I am out of breath. You are. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. I thought the spinner worked me over. That bloke. Mm. My, I mean, I'll be honest. There were some seeds in there. I mean, admittedly, oh, yeah. I was walking at them and giving it the most exaggerated play and miss I've ever seen, but that's unplayable, lads. Have you ever I, thought you, of watching you, the ball? <laughs> you, I'll be honest. I'll be impressed if any of you get a single run off it. Uh, Norcross, you're next, yeah, right? He, he is bowling from five yards away, so yeah. it's quite tricky. It is tricky okay. to watch the right, Norcross is next. Excuses, excuses, excuses. So four runs. I would point out, though, still at this point, though, Norcross, I have not been out, unlike certain ex-England cricketer that I can think of. Uh, here we yeah, go. but we get runs. Norcross here uh, walks into the net. Look at this. Wearing a fetching olive green jumper. Oh, he's going for a sort of... It's a Steve, Steve Smith, Smith yeah. Shivnarine Chandapal hybrid. Yeah. He sort of st stood right in front of his wickets, his hips pointing to square leg on part. The bowler runs in and he releases it. <laughs> and, he, and suddenly, my innings is looking quite good after Norcross not only plays the misses but manages to fall backwards into the net. Norcross, get to the pitch of the ball. <laughs> Stop being scared, it's not going to hurt you. <laughs> Oh, and that time uh, Norcross walks down the wicket and any bat on that or straight off the kneecap? Straight off the <laughs> thumb. <laughs> it's bounced off his thumb to a, somewhere between mid-off and cover. Uh, OK, the bowler runs up and he's in and he releases it and Norcross and it's down the leg side. That third ball, the same one that I had, down the leg side. Negative bowling from the bowler. Stumped. <laughs> I mean, it's... Well, still I'm no saying, runs. I'm saying fast bowling. It's still about 60 miles an hour. Oh, Wesley! It's close. Bowler runs in. Stuart Broad's DRS in it. <laughs> it's Norcross just above the knee pad. Uh, and there might have been some bat involved as well. Short leg was very interested. Currently, it's a four, four dot balls. Suddenly, Tarrant's innings of four is looking very, very tasty. Uh, and Norcross stands there, and the bowler's up, and he bowls. And oh, it's a lovely shot, that. Do you know what's funny? He, he's hit that so softly and so pathetically. It's hit a target and it's not even registered. 
<laughs> and now the bowlers, now the bowlers coming in. <laughs> Unlucky. He's such and a feeble, frail. And it's a maiden. It's and a maiden. It's a maiden. <laughs> He's a feeble, frail old man. Someone drag him out. Do him a favour. <laughs> Come and have another drink, mate. Come on. <laughs> oh, oh, that was lovely. Right. Uh, Dan, okay. So, I, so I've creamed one through extra cover. So it's just flicked the three there. Got nothing for it. Smack one back over the bowler's head. Hit the four. Nothing's come up. I want a steward's inquiry. That Picked was... out the fielders, Dan. I'd question also, the adjectives you're using. Crucially, not out. Yeah, to be fair. Yeah, so at the moment, as the it stands, uh, myself and Norcross have faced two overs, ten runs for no wicket. That's 24 balls between us. Exactly, yeah. balls just doing our us. job. Uh, Finney, meanwhile, chasing the personal team. glory and not caring about the team at all. It's the way number 11's back. <laughs> if you bat any other way as a number 11, you're an absolute idiot. You got outlast, like which means you've, you've let Tim Murter in. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least it's fun to watch. <laughs> now, before I go in and, uh, and spank the bowling to all parts, Finney, at the start of the season, we told him that he had to hit, what, six sixes this season? And he hit one in the second 11, am I right? Two, two I think, in the second and 11. And then smoked one in the 100, in fairness, did he not? Or was no, it a couple four? of very good fours. A yeah. very good four. Oh, look at that, a couple of very good fours. Well, they fucking were. I think, <laughs> I think, I think what, he, what he was trying to do, I think he got the, the, the terms of it slightly wrong. So when he was bowling to John Simpson, he thought that he had to concede six sixes. He only hit me for one six. He only hit me for six. One six. <laughs> okay, so here is the situation. Stephen Finn is about to go in and face an over. Yep, he, he is. Three sixes. Three sixes for a bottle of champagne. For a bottle of champagne. If he gets out, he buys Norcross and our bottle of champagne. The first ball is going to turn a mile here. Let's see how he. Let's see how he deals with it. Oh no! Whoa, six! Oh no! Uh oh! Oh no! Uh oh! And there's two absolute gimmies. I need to call my accountant because Finney's just smoked the first one. Look at the grin on his the face there. Uh. This oh, one will no. be full and straight. Oh, oh it's just three a three. Runs. Thank God for that. Yeah, he shanked that really off the inside half of the bat. His swing is getting more and more aggressive. This is like me yeah. when I'm playing golf badly, I start swinging faster. He's gone deep into his crease for this one. He thinks this is going to be the full straight one. Oh. It is. But he doesn't pick up a six for it. He's played Just it well. the four. Four runs. He's got to still get two more sixes. He's only got three balls left. The pressure is on. You can see. Does he respond to pressure, though, this boy? Does he respond to pressure? Here he is, right arm over the wicket. Oh, he's been beaten. <laughs> Through the gate. As, as Stephen Finn said, oh. it was the fucking googly. <laughs> he's got two balls left. Two sixes needed. Two sixes needed. Oh no. oh no. The tension, you can cut it with a knife. Oh, oh no! He's not got hold of it. And Norcross and Tarrant live oh. for quite another day. Now but, we need a wicket off this ball. Yeah. And then he, he, he I could, can taste the champagne already. It's like I'm going to be in Monaco in about 10 minutes. Now, if he's if it's the pads. Oh, oh look at that. It. The Wofford wall. <laughs> straight on the front foot. Pushes it out of the offside. Absolute chicken. <laughs> Very wise. So when you Very go, wise. you got one six there. So, so go, still to go with the one off the kid of the second eleven game. After God knows how many fucking episodes of this podcast we've done, we're still none the wiser on who buys who a bottle of champagne in. No, but I, all I can say, I looked the most competent, which you'd like to think would be the case. <laughs> I was slightly hoping that a thirty-two-year-old cricketer might yeah. jump a fifty-two-year-old. Yeah, but it. it I like glasses. it. There was actually a. In 2010-11 Ashes, 
we did a net session with the press. So the press came and we put them through their paces to show them what a session with the England team looked like. So there were a few who had targets on their back <laughs> for the boys. And George Doble for a start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I thought they buried the hatchet. <laughs> yeah, sorry. sorry I missed yeah. That bit. In the most shambolic podcast ever to hit Apple Podcasts and other <laughs> podcast providers. Um, but we did this net session with the press. They came in and the boys, it was like Christmas. I've never seen more excited cricketers in a room to get a dog stick and start flinging. Uh, all of the press have been slagging them off for the last five, six years. It was wonderful. And today feels slightly like that because now I know when you sit there at the other side of the microphone and criticise me when I play and when I bat, I can sit here and say, I've seen you bat, son. <laughs> you are nothing to write home about. Who, who are you to talk? I, what, what you saw is a man who doesn't get out basically a man you got out twice out. I've just watched you get out twice once twice oh twice in the end yeah but that, yeah. Was, but that was a super over that and I watched count. you cheat <laughs> that didn't count. which is even worse cheat yes was it strictly speaking cheating well we'll have a <laughs> years couldn't, actually couldn't have been more strictly speaking cheating <laughs> <laughs> it's a years broadcasting ban it's gone to the um, gone to the adjudicators now, here's the other question Finny you know when all these media guys sit in the press box and criticise the England team you just had an experience from their point of view there, criticising myself and Norcross. Pretty fun though, isn't it? It's great, yeah, I love it. <laughs> you can can't see wait what... to retire. <laughs> Sussex will be delighted at that. They signed him on a two-year contract, you can't wait to retire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's yours, Sussex. He's yours. Now let me describe the setting. So we have just finished our net session upstairs at Six's Cricket Club in Fitzrovia. I was glad that it came to an end when it did. I was having lots of fun, but I finished with 10 dot balls. <laughs> I couldn't get near the bowling by the end. Uh, so we've now moved downstairs to a room at Sixes. They've very kindly given us a sort of access all areas past the venue. Uh, and we're going to record the, the rest of the podcast. But basically, the, the main takeaway from the Cricket Nets was that Dan and I um, care about our wicket and Finney has really given up. As his, as his career nose dives to a finish he's really he's really given up on protecting his wicket just say though on that right so I've watched him a couple of times this season knowing full well of our bet and having it in the back of my mind and I thought surely he's going to have a swing now I mean it's in some poxy hundred game where he can make no bloody difference have a swing and he's pushing it into the offside for singles or he's working I mean yeah you came in in a completely hopeless cause in a county championship match earlier this season. I went straight onto the live stream. I thought, this is it. Finney, head in the air. He's going to be swinging for the fucking hills. And what did you do? You tried to bat out four sessions when you were eight down. I mean, what kind of man- madness was that? Well, Sometimes funny enough, it's like this podcast isn't the biggest thing in your life. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, funny enough, <laughs> being sat in a basement with you two is probably... The lowest thing on my list of priorities to do in my life right now. So when I'm out there doing my actual job that I actually get paid for, I think I think to this moment, I think, do I give a fuck about that right now? Or am I going to try yeah. and do my job well? Well, I'm going to try and do my job well. Look here, karate kid. Just, have a, just listen to Mr. Miyagi, right? So you were, trying to, you were trying to get a contract with Middlesex, weren't you? You were trying to stay at Middlesex by batting responsibly in some poxy champo game in May. Where did it get you? It got you to Sussex. So <laughs> what a next wonderful time, place. Next time, listen to Mr. Miyagi. Swing for the bloody hills. You might have got a ton that day. Who knows what you might... You, you, might, be, you might be back in England team if you'd just gone with my instinct. 
Can I just say, out of all the people that have spent time in Norcross in a basement, I think we've come off pretty lightly. Well, yeah, at the moment, <laughs> yeah, we've still got 15 minutes. The way those fingers are dipping into that food. Can I just say, I want to paint a picture for the listener. This is the first time that we've all been in the same room physically recording. And so, although Norcross is disgusting on Zoom, uh, it's it's quite it's quite fantastic up front. Can I? This is no word of a lie, Norcross. Correct me if I'm wrong, but currently, you are glugging one large Pinot yeah. Grigio. You've got a second one for That's when right. that one runs out. And before we started recording, and Stephen Finn is my witness, Daniel Norcross did a shot of gravy. <laughs> it was grotesque. <laughs> it was actually. Grotesque. Well, I'll tell you, it's not. It was rich and delicious. It had a slightly burnt onion flavour to it, and that cow did not die in vain. It had been dissolved to within an inch of its essence. It was delicious. Just when your kidney thinks it's getting a handle on the evening, it's going, right, okay, he's on Pinot Grigio tonight, and then suddenly a fucking shot, shot of, of whiskey, shot of gravy comes down on it. It's going, what happened there? <laughs> I heartily recommend. I tell you, this gaff six is, is, is the nuts. I mean, I've just had, if you don't mind me, just being Jay Rayner for a moment, I had uh, some burnt end, what are they called? Nuggets, with, a, with an onion gravy shot, oh, dipped into that crisp on the outside, moist on the inside, beautifully cooked. Mac and cheese nuggets with a strange kind of like brown nipple on the end of it. <laughs> they have been full of unguents and deliciousness. Uh, you can vouch for the... Entire plate of chicken wings together with your huge beef brisket, man, no, mountain, leg orkly game <laughs> over yonder. <laughs> right, let's get into cricket. Uh, so we're recording on a Monday evening in London. And the story that broke today, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating one as a cricket fan. So Moeen Ali announced his retirement from the England Test team. And Moeen Ali, I mean, he has been mercurial, all the words that you would describe him with, maybe at times inconsistent, maybe at times a bit frustrating, at other times brilliant, spectacular, world-class at times. At the end of it all, he retires having taken as many wickets as a spinner as everybody, apart from the only two above him on the list, Graham Swan and Underwood. Not bad not, company not to be in. Not bad company. Um, better than this company. Yes, much better than this company. Um, also, he retired just short, 86 runs short and five wickets short of becoming only the 15th player in test history to take 200 wickets and score 3,000 runs. When all is said and done and when the dust has settled, he has been an unbelievably good test cricketer. His stats are there to back it up. What kind of sums him up, though? He had a batting average of 28, but with five centuries. He had a bowling average of just under 37, but with five fifers. When he was good, he was brilliant. And in between, he was pretty average. However, I think the England fans always loved him. And you always felt more comfortable with him in the team because you always thought that Moeen might just do something spectacular. And I think the England fans have got a huge soft spot for him. Uh, I saw Ian Bell put a uh, tweet out earlier about just how talented Moen Ali was. Finney, you obviously know Moen Ali well, having played with and against him and stuff. Um, serious natural talent, right? Yeah, phenomenal. He's, um, he's one of the most gifted players. I think that middle order's blessed, isn't it, with Butler, Stokes, um, Ali, Bairstow, guys who do do a lot of things. So that was always one of the features of that team was how interchangeable they were along the way. And yeah, Moe's one of those guys who, with both bat and ball, could 
actually change the game and win a game. I think he took a test hat-trick. He's one of only a very few people to do that. The test hundreds were exciting whenever he got them. I was there for one of them at Durham against Sri Lanka, I think. Um, so you can thank me for that one at a later date, hanging around, <laughs> hanging in there. Big you up. know, you need the tail ender there to, to get you through to your hundred. Um, so, so, yeah, I'll expect a bottle of wine in the post at some stage. But, yeah, I, I always love playing with Mo. He's one of my favourite teammates, always, always making you laugh, always entertaining. And that was exactly the same when he played. So he's going to be missed in test cricket, I think. And actually, as an off-spinner, and this is no disrespect to the other guys, but he's probably as close as we've seen to Graham Swan since Graham Swan uh, with the drift and the spin that he could get as an off-spinner. He averages 19 in fourth innings victories for England with the ball. He, he was a really genuinely terrific bowler when the circumstances were right and when the captain treated him right. I think he was a victim of people not being able to work out what he was, which is crazy. You, you'd hope at professional level they'd go, well, well, he can bat and he can bowl. But actually, because they weren't quite sure if he was a batter or if he was a spin bowler, he ended up sort of being a bit of neither. So when his batting didn't work, everybody conveniently forgot that he's actually taken well over 100 wickets as spinner. I mean, there hasn't been anybody else around at the same time who's been as good as him as a spin bowler. We brought other spinners in, and they, they, they're just not as prolific as he is. He would bowl badly on occasion, often in first innings. He didn't bowl dry, he didn't bowl like Graham Swan did. You know, Graham Swan was one of the greatest, if not the greatest, off-spinner England's ever had. He could bowl dry on the first day, and he could take wickets in, in the on the third, fourth, fifth, you know. Uh, and Moeen didn't do that. So he, what we tended to fixate on was what he didn't do, rather than what he did do. What he didn't do, because he batted every position from one to nine, because he was often, you know, he was it's just scandalous to think of Moeen Ali at number eight. But we thought actually this was a sign of how strong England is, because it's got a whole bunch of all-rounders. But it made it really tough for him as a batter, because he'd go out and bat at eight, when in his brain, Finney, presumably, he was a top-order batter. I mean, that's how he got into the game, that's how he was playing it. Yeah, you'd imagine so. I mean, you you did feel when you were playing in the teams where he batted at eight that he was an absolute luxury to be able to come in at number eight as someone who could bat number three feasibly in a test mm. match. Um, coming in at number eight. Um, and I think the, the, the most important thing to remember about Mo and the statistics, um, sometimes when you look at them, maybe don't do him justice for what he was and the talent that he had as a cricketer. Um, is the way that he always played for the team. And I think that that's one of the reasons why he was kept in the team for a long time was because in any scenario, he was willing to bowl the hard overs when he, needed, when he was needed to. And if, when you're batting at number eight, actually with the tail, a lot of the time you're the one who has to take the risks and the responsibility and marshal that thing all the way through to the close. Um, and quite often, you do end up giving your wicket away in those scenarios by trying to play big shots. Was, so, he, was he not given the credit for that? And, and- because I, I, I felt often that he didn't, you know, that we used to leap in criticism and say, oh, he's played another poor shot there. God, if you're batting him, as you say, batting him at number eight, what, what do you expect him to I mean, do? He's got to try to maximise the runs. said he had to bat with Finney at one point. Exactly. I'd play he's my lucky. shots you're, as well. You're being, no, you're... having watched you today, you'd be walking straight back. You'd be batting behind me. <laughs> and as soon as you come out, we'd be walking straight back off together because you are hands. dog shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I did finish my net session with 10 dot balls I worked out. 
which is quite impressive because you, know, you can only be out bold. Otherwise, I think I was out about five times. I think I think the Guinness was kicking the in Guinness at that point. But, 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 but just just pretty though, you know. Back, back to Mo because I, I I find it staggering that he has been basically used in such an unusual and crazy way. And I don't think that we've really appreciated the talent that we had in front of us. He's hugely loved, and he, but he's loved. I don't know in a patronising way, but he's loved because of what he can represent and, and how he can sort of bind communities together. And we focus too much on that sometimes and forget that he's a human being, who's a cricketer, who was really, really good at both batting and bowling. And I don't think that he ever quite felt 100% comfortable. Well, I say not ever. In the last few years, you know, when we had all that COVID stuff last year, loads of people had very clear and, and uh, simple plans about what they were going to do. Poor old Mo got COVID when he went over to Sri Lanka, which meant that he couldn't play in the first couple of games. He ended up playing one test match. He had a significant impact in it, a much bigger impact than Don Bess, it's got to be said, mm. on pitches where England needed their best spinners. And then he was due to go home and they said, well, would you mind not going home? I mean, well, he was the only person that they asked that question to. Time and time again, it felt to me that Moeen's career was that he was the guy who was being asked to go the extra step forward and I'm not saying now that it was being done because he had to prove his love of England, but it sometimes felt a bit like that, as if he was the guy who had to go above and beyond in ways that other guys, I'm not going to say who, but other guys in that England team would probably kicked up more of a stink and said, wait a minute, I bat at four or five or whatever. Whereas Mo didn't do that. He did, he did what he thought was best for the team, and I'm not sure that it helped him. It, it felt at times he was almost a victim of how good he was that they did oh, go... versatile. How versatile and he was, They yeah. went, oh, shit, we've lost the top-order batsman. Oh, Mo can do it. Oh, no, we need a spinner. Mo can do it. And 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 that was kind of sometimes, you know, it was a problem for him in his career and it made him made his life harder at times. Um, before we move on from him, I do want to finish with one final statistic as well. So England cricketers to have scored over 2,900 test runs and taken 190-plus test wickets. Stuart Broad, Andrew Flintoff, Ian Botham, Moe Nally. It's not bad, is it? Stokes, bad. Stokes hasn't got there yet. Not bad company you to that? be in that, isn't it? No Ben Stokes. There's no. some good names missing from that list. A serious, serious cricketer. I should also point out, it's a little bit like we were saying how much you know England fans love him. Sometimes I feel this when it's sad when celebrities die, especially, no, that's a bit dark, but when celebrities die, especially yeah. young, then everybody has an outpouring of, Oh, I love them so much. They were brilliant. And I feel like sometimes that happens in sport as well. And I almost, you know, Moen will now luckily see the love for the English. Oh, it's like being at your own funeral. It's like being at your own funeral. Exactly that. Because he's done it well. He hasn't retired from all formats. He's retired from the Red Bull. So now on Twitter today, everybody's a big Moen Ali fan. Oh, I never questioned him. I love him. Blah, blah, blah. And now everybody's being supportive. If we'd shown him some of this support at times when he was playing, maybe he'd still be playing. One last thing. I mean, the how wedded he is to the Birmingham community. I love the way that he chose to tell Stephen Finn's nemesis, George Bell, and Ali Martin, Birmingham resident Guardian uh, writer. Those are the two people he wanted to speak to. And I urge you, if you haven't seen them yet, go and check both their pieces, both George's and Ali's, because there you get the full story. There's no point in us saying worse what Moeen says in his own words way and, to sell uh, the podcast Dan yeah <laughs> I don't know why we've just been talking for the last seven minutes I'm quite emotional shall we get more wings I've got to say by the way that the crispy onion stuff is fantastic and the aioli you, Stop you putting didn't your finger in my food I didn't try that you didn't oh, try oh, that did. that actually makes me feel sick look at that 
Delicious. Let me describe the listener. Daniel Norcross has just dipped his fingers in a... Crispy uh, onion and aioli dip. In a crispy onion and aioli dip. Just raw fingers. Do you know, genuinely, I, the other people that have been in basements of you, they, they got off lightly. <laughs> <laughs> than having to... Than having to witness this. Uh, very quickly, Finney, would you go to your own funeral? That's a common thing they do in America now. You go to your own funeral. Yeah, so nice can... and narcissistic, isn't it? Yeah, I think I would, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sit at the back, watch everyone cry, say, yeah, you're fucking weeping for me now, aren't you? <laughs> Where were you 10 years ago? Suddenly, <laughs> like 50 yeah. New Zealand's looking pretty tasty. I've, um, I've been to my own funeral every time I go on Test Match Special. Yeah, well, I, I keep it. Every single time I get a message from Catherine, your better half, I go, he's passed, hasn't he? Oh, no, he's just... Oh, he's just out of battery. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. I'm just assuming any day now. I might, to you, I might, to you and me both. I might the think, onion gravy's not helping. <laughs> yeah, the shot of gravy's are bringing that day closer and closer. I might um, do the old go to your own funeral, but I'd go having faked my death and then jump out the casket. So you get that nice moment where everyone's really pleased to see you as well. Oh, you're you joking. Sure I'd they be would bloody be. furious <laughs> if you dragged me all the way to a frigging funeral. Where, would, I mean, where is this funeral going to be? Unless it's in Tooting, I'd be fucking furious if I've got like, oh, you know, probably not drunk, probably driven down to somewhere like Cobham, put on a really heavy woolen suit, had to put some expression of desolation and solemnity on our faces, Philly. We don't want to do that. And then put your fingers in every fucking dip at the buffet afterwards <laughs> at the well. <laughs> I'd definitely do that, if it, especially if he was still alive. Christ, the yeah. arrogance of you pricks to think you're getting invited to my funeral. <laughs> Even if it's fake, you're not going into a fucking theater. Right? We're not even invited to a fake funeral. <laughs> yeah, so that's like, how low the we fake are. Wake though. Up the casket and see you two mugs, and the rest of the church is empty. I'll be absolutely fuming. Is that all I've left on the planet? All right, we'll move on from my fake funeral, and uh, we'll keep it cricket. Um, again, another man who uh, England fans love very dearly, Chris Wokes, inspired Warwickshire to become county champions. Um, I mean, it sums up, we've talked so much about the pitches and conditions. I don't want to get back into it, but Warwickshire became the only team to win the league having never made 400 runs, which is a fantastic statistic. Shows how good their bowling's been at times this year as well. One thing I would say on Chris Wokes is if I was part of the rest of the team, Chris Wokes uh, has barely played and all the headlines are Chris Wokes leads Warwickshire to County yeah. Championship. Going, he played. He played about four hours. We we we've been slaving it away. And all this Oliver work. Oliver Haddon Dolby, who looks like a six foot four inch owl, must be going absolutely berserk right now. <laughs> <laughs> After all the, all the effort he's put in this season, in comes Wokes. All oh, flies in for the last game. Owl boys stuck on the with a with a high vis tabard running on and off. What would you like, Mister Wokes, to drink? Oh, right. it's another day tonight. Is it great? Absolute bloody nightmare. You're right. Who, who would have thought it? Chris Wokes, the bad boy of English cricket. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely <laughs> sacrilege. Oh, what a, what a disgusting. Then again, he's so beautiful. He'd be the poster boy. I mean, if you're going to pick a poster boy, you pick Chris Wokes, don't you? Finny, forgive me for my lack of cricket knowledge. Did you ever come across Warwickshire or are they too busy winning and you were too busy losing? Which bit have I in my 17 in, year playing career ever played no, against I just Warwickshire? Mean this season specifically? Uh, no. No, no, okay, no, right, no. okay. Well, I was going to ask you for an insight into what makes this team champions and, you know, the mind of the players, but of course, like, you're more. If, if you're playing... Well, if they've not made 400, it's absolute shootout every week, isn't it? <laughs> By the sounds of it. Well, he's right, though. He's absolutely right. It's the bloody pitches. I mean, speaking as I do as a passionate Surrey fan, when we come up against Glamorgan and they get 672 for six and we get 722 for four, how are you supposed to get any bloody points This is what a Surrey that? supporter does. Just It has to be about Surrey. We can't let Warwickshire have their moment in no. the sun. 
where they've been a fantastic, consistent cricket team over the course of the whole season. On result wickets. I mean, yeah. anyone can get a result on a result there wicket, we go. can't they? I mean, I have to admit, that Surrey, that Surrey scorecard does ruin our... Basically, the last 30 weeks of this podcast are useless because we've been slagging off how difficult it is to bat. And then there's 1,300 <laughs> runs for about 10 wickets. That's right. So by, by my calculation, that game would have taken 16 days to end. It would have been six days longer than the longest game They'd have looked as old as you place. by the end of it. They would. They would. They, yeah, they, if they weren't allowed to um, actually shave, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, now, the Bobbleish Trophy is still going to be played. The world's most pointless fucking game of cricket in history so even though Warwickshire have won the league they have to play Lancashire in I guess normally it's a curtain raiser a curtain closer mm. Warwickshire are going to be hung over because they've been celebrating their win Lancashire don't want to be there because they're licking their wounds absolutely pointless game of cricket and I haven't minded the structure of the county championship but this game is absolutely futile isn't it Dan? It is but it's a legacy of last year because it, and it's, it was a lovely thing last year the Bob Willis Trophy it was an incredible thing that they managed to cobble together in Covid times we should give the ECB some credit for that they managed to salvage something of a season and we loved the idea of that five day finale so it was born out of that kind of sentimentalism I suppose for last year but I think it's resurrectable as a community shield. Now, I, I say I thought it. Um, Adam Collins was the first person who said it to me. I think um, Matt Roller has also said this in Crick Info. I think, uh, uh, I think Will McPherson's also into this idea. And I think it's great, actually. At the moment, there's a bunch of warm-up games that happen for Red Bull Cricket at the start of the season. And you have MCC against Champion County, which is quite fun in its own way. But why not put something actually on it? Why not make it like the community shield? And then play the game. So the incentive is that next year, you'll start being able to play for silverware. And then actually, I think that would be a really fun five-day game at Lords. That would be a proper curtain raiser of the season. I don't blame them for doing it because it was a hangover from last year. Finny, can you remember the most pointless game of cricket you've ever played? You must have played some games of cricket where, obviously, when you're bowling, obviously, you give it your best. But you must be sitting there going, what are we all doing here? There's, I don't know pointless pointless professional games of cricket but there are times in games where you're just like this is pointless where you go out at the end of a four day game to drag your over eight back when there's no chance of a result and, and you just have and then a crossbow bolt comes and it's a total disaster yeah. well yeah that gets us relegated and then the umpires give you special dispensation but then the ECB go against it but we're not going to talk about that um, oh, but, yeah exactly <laughs> but there, there are times when you're still on the field in those last like 15 overs of the game where as a bowler you're not going to bowl you literally put trainers on and walk out there everyone lines on the bat lines the boundary the batters know what's going on the bowlers know what's going on and someone literally just lobs balls down the other end it is a waste of an hour of your life well, you, you won a county championship that way what are you talking about what do you mean in 2016 yeah when a whole bunch of balls just lobbed up and thrashed to the boundary so that uh you could win the county championship. Well, that's how cricket was played when it was a superior game, wasn't it? In the 70s and 80s, where lob-ups happen regularly, which then inflated people's stats, which then make them, when they look at their stats now, make them believe they're a lot a better point. than they were. <laughs> Steve O'Shaughnessy, the umpire, and it's, it's him that you're really annoyed about, isn't it? Well, it's just disgusting. and he yeah. hates that. He absolutely hates it. No. It's one of the things he hates most about cricket, is somebody getting 100 off that crap. I thing. do think it's disgusting <laughs> that people accept those runs. I think... You should be allowed in a... Accept them? What do you want them to do? Punch them away with their legs? No. Would you be happier if no, they just listen, drop kick them listen for leg to me. Look, Someone put a fucking plug in him, will they? <laughs> just about to explain. 
So I think in those scenarios, your career average should be the most amount of runs you're allowed to get if you're facing lob-ups. If your career average is 34, you are only allowed to score 34 <laughs> runs off lob-ups. And then you get out and you give your wicket away. <laughs> if you average 50, then fine. You're good enough to accept those 50 runs. If you average seven, you get seven. This but is there's madness. no. It's no. not madness because then, you're in, then your stats don't get quick, in. What do you need to do the lob-ups when they're seven down, right? So you go, well, then no, but there's, there's, what's the point in lob-ups when you're seven down? You well, might as well because, try and bowl down the team because, out. Right, so they're seven down. They haven't been, they've been just propping forward, propping forward, Number propping nine's forward, keeping you out. You need that. to have a serious, hard, long look at yourself in the mirror. Right, <laughs> even, even five down. Even five down. Well, so you're, you're then going to like... The, the most number of runs you can now get is like 18 plus 16 plus 14. Yeah, plus. it's fair enough, I think. What? So actually, why bother with the lobs at all? Why not just go... We declare now, we give you those runs, we reckon it'll take roughly 10 overs, let's not bother actually showing it, and let's move on to the next innings. Would yeah, but that is that? pretty much what lob-ups are, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. It's like cricket, Although, playing cricket, ICC cricket caps and whatever it is, and just pressing simulate for 10 minutes. Just quickly though, in that in that game, in that county championship game, wasn't there an hilariously brilliant catch taking a backward square leg off a lob-up by accident? I think it was, was well, it probably Adam because, by yeah. accident took a catch instinctively. But if I, smashed at him. if I was a fielder in that scenario and someone was taking the piss and got like 80, 90, 100 runs, I'd be trying my hardest to get them out. I'd be, if it <laughs> went in the air, the point, I'd be catching it. No, it's not the point, but I think it's, it's respectful to not. But we do miss out on brilliant things like Alistair Cook bowling and over a county cricket. So you have to remember, mm. and Paul Nixon taking a wicket for Leicestershire right at the end of his career. And Chris well. Cook coming on to bowl as a keeper and, and Michael Hogan, the 40-year-old opening bowler, putting on e- the pads and keeping wicket. Exactly, exactly that. So we would miss out on some beautiful moments. Um, now, before we finish, a uh, very quick line I want to say. Uh, on the England women's cricket team who spanked New Zealand all over the place in their one-day international series. Um, And I will throw out there that this is the greatest summer for England women's cricket of all time. And I'm throwing it out there because drew a test match, but it was great to have a test match against somebody that wasn't Australia. Won six out of eight ODIs, four out of six 2020s. The 100 was a massive success commercially, if you care about that kind of thing. Uh, more important, you know, for the spectators, it was a massive success. Norcross, you've followed the game very closely for a very long time. It's, it, it has felt like, I think for cricket fans, real diehard cricket fans, the England women's game or just the women's game has been on the rise for a, some time now. But it felt like it crossed into the mainstream at some points this summer. And that, for me, felt bigger than anything. It did. It's the most, it's the most important summer for English women's cricket, I think, that there's ever been. In large part because of the 100, it launched to 7,000 spectators, which staggered people at the Oval, and a brilliant game as well that was won you know, miraculously at the last minute. There was a weekend, I think, where at Lords and the Oval, 25,000 people watched the two women's games combined, which was 2,000 fewer than watched the entire KSL, which was the women's T20 tournament, played in 2019, the last sort of big thing for women's domestic cricket. Which is extraordinary, isn't it, in two matches. I think it is going to be the most important summer for women's cricket. They've announced that they're now going to have six professionals on full-time contracts in each of the different regions. That's an increase, I think, on what we have at the moment. The more of that happens, the better. Um, it has been fantastic that the international cricket has been in and out, a bit lacklustre. It's all going to come down to the ashes and um, where Australia... Their streak is over. So I think at the moment, England, of the bigger nations, has got the longest winning streak of two. Um, West Indies, I think, is at one. 
uh, India at one and Australia at naught. So we are currently, you're only as good as your last two games and England have won them both. Absolutely, and the number of 16 and 17-year-olds coming through the women's game shows Alice how Alice Capsey! The, Alice oh. Capsey, I mean, come on. It shows how the professionalism of the sport has filtered down to the very, very end. Um, before we wrap up and remind everyone that Stephen Finn got out three times in the nets and uh, Norcross, myself and producer Sal got out three times combined, yeah. uh, which obviously I won't bring up again. Um, a quick word on England-Pakistan. The series has been cancelled. Obviously, you guys talked about it a lot last week when you missed me dearly. But uh, the shit continues to hit the fan in, in, in this topic. It's all a bit of a mess, isn't it? It's a massive mess because some people are blaming the ECB. Some people are blaming the players. Um, nobody's taking the credit for the blame, if you like. The ultimate thing, as we said, we touched on a little bit last week, but this doesn't happen to England, India and Australia. People turn up and play against them. Um, it does happen to countries like Pakistan and Bangladesh and South Africa, let's not forget. Um, England this year have seen a pitch invasion from Jarvo four times, three or four times. If anything like that happened, if England found themselves in Pakistan, then they would be out of there like rats up a drainpipe. Um, we're way too entitled in the way that we think about cricket in this country. Um, we've got to be more collegiate. We've got to understand and accept that other people have helped us out. There are extenuating circumstances. I think the players have had very long seasons, have had big bubbles, have had God knows what else. I get all that, and if you could avoid playing on what George DeBell called a city break for four days in a different country and then moving to another country with all that aggro and hassle that is involved, I'm sure you would do, but it just leaves a bitter taste in the mouth given what Pakistan did last year when they came over in 2020 at the height of a pandemic, and, uh, and it's been happening too much and it goes on going on, but I don't know what any of us can do about it except throw our arms up the air and howl in despair. Completely agree. Um, yeah, agree with everything you said. It's uh, it's Pakistan that miss out really at the end of it all. Finally, we should remind you that on the 30th of November, we have got a show live in London. We are doing our first ever live show from five till six. We are working on a special guest. We are trawling through our contact books to pick the best one available. It's going to be awesome. So it's at London Leicester Square Odeon. It is, <laughs> somebody thought it'd be a good idea to book out a theatre with 800 seats in it. Youch. 800 seats. All um, of you, come, join no, together. Huddle, and also spread yourselves out in the auditorium. Yeah, exactly that. Now, look, here's, here's the thing, right? We're begging you to buy some tickets to this because we appreciate we may have overbooked the size of a venue here. We're not going to lie to you. If you don't live in London, come down and make a weekend out of it. Um, if you do live in London, it's five till six on a Saturday. You can still go out and get drunk afterwards. Uh, we're going to be there with a special guest. Uh, we're going to do a Q&A session. We're going to come up with some stuff that will be special for you on the evening. Uh, and if you pay enough money, there's a good chance Norcross will sleep with you. Oh, it's a very good chance of that. But uh, I'm just staggered by, by Toby's sales pitch there, Philly. But what he's basically saying is, um, come down to London, go and see a show, check out a gig, go and have an enormous amount of fun, and then just slip in to watch us for an hour. But that's how we'll get you down here. If you could like make us part of the portfolio of offerings in a gigantic mini break to London, that would be great. I, I wouldn't hinge your weekend on the event, you know, certainly. Tower of London, Madame Two Swords... <laughs> Finney Tarrant Norcross. Yeah, that's right. Well, it'd be Norcross ranting for 44 and a half minutes and we might get 30 seconds in there Fucking at some hell. stage. That's a great point. I've just remembered as well. <laughs> Normally we just edit Norcross out, but on live, we'll never be able to shut me up. Producer Sal can turn his mic off. Right, Sal, you've got to edit this rabble. Finney got out three times. See you next week. Bye.
Fuck off. <lacht> Podcast Network.